is so excited about Jesus and who he is, Luke chapter 10. I do trust that you'll be engaged tonight. Y'all, we got some good stuff going on and excited about it. It's not just, it's, it's not just with the building, just thankful for God's blessing on us tonight. A couple of the things that we do is we, um, we're going to be receiving recommendations. We have two trustees that are going off, and so we're going to receive uh, nominations and recommendations for that. And then we're going to be, after the service, we're going to be passing out budgets, and we'll discuss those um, in two weeks, and we'll vote on our annual budget like we do. And so we'll be passing those budgets out to adult members. And you say, well, I don't know if I'm an adult. Well, sorry. Uh, but um, we reserve that information for members, and uh, so Miss Carrie and Miss Marcella will be passing those out uh, tonight. Um, uh, this afternoon, there's going to be a luncheon. Uh, the gas coins are going to be meeting with some of those families that have been through some of those things, just to be an encouragement to them. And then um, I'm going to—I've also asked them to give a brief testimony tonight, and I'm looking forward to that time. It's going to be going to be really good, and just a just a great time. Um, uh, the preaching tonight is not going to be as long, and you're like, yeah, right, we'll believe it when we see it. No, it's not going to be as long, but the service is probably going to be longer. You're like, well, I'm not coming. Well, man, it, it can be fun. Like, church can be fun, and we're going to have a good time tonight, and uh, so tune in. And then um, uh, the, the service, because of some of the things we're discussing, it's not just going to be public live stream like it normally is, uh, but we're going to be sending out a link through that using our email list. And so if you know that you're unable to be here for that, um, the thing to do is to make sure that you're on that email list and Miss Carrie Tinsley or Brother Max is the one to talk to. And here's how you do that. You don't say, hey, get my email. You write your email down and you put the piece of paper in their hands and that'll be super helpful for that. And we want everybody who wants access to it to be able to have that, all right? Luke chapter 10, verse 17. Oh, sorry, last thing. <laughs> man, I don't get tired of God using different people here. And man, a church is healthier when God's using a lot of different people. Amen. And this, this will never be, by the grace of God, a one man or one woman show, hallelujah. And we are blessed, and, and God is, is using, and man, I'm constantly throwing the idea to other guys. Man, just like, hey, what do you think about doing this? Or ladies, what do you think about doing this? And a lot of times, it's just like, yeah, I don't know, Pastor. You say, why do you do that? Because God wants to use a lot of different people in ways that maybe you don't even think is possible. And man, it's so good. Okay, I really need to get to the text. Verse 17, and the 70 returned again with joy. And we'll talk about from what, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto, unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and, all, and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding, please get this, in this, meaning in what he just told them that he was giving to them, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Amen. Title is simple, rejoice in the right thing. Rejoice 
in the right thing. You may be seated. Thanks so much for standing. Brother Nate's going to sing, and then we'll get to the preaching.
that's a blessing. Brother Nate sure do appreciate that. Aren't you glad that God doesn't demand that we be perfect or that we never be weak? In fact, he says it's in our weakness that we're going to see the best of what he can do so many times. And I am, I am thankful for that. Well, in our text, if you've been following along in Luke, as we've gone through it on Sunday morning, Jesus has taken and is taking his disciples, not only the 12, but these 70 that he's added through the school of evangelism. And he sent them out and they come back in verse number 17 and they have been successful. And this is encouraging and we need to remember that what Jesus promised he would do, he does fulfill that promise. And when he says that his word is not going to return void, it doesn't matter what's going on around us in culture or in politics or in our personal lives, God's going to be faithful to his promises. And so in these preceding verses, Jesus has laid out the parameters of their ministry. You're going to go, and you're going to go in groups of two, and then I'm going to give you power, and you're going to declare the kingdom of God. You're going to declare the promise of God. You have, you have in verse number nine, he gave them power to heal. And the purpose of that wasn't to make a name for themselves, but it was to validate the name of Jesus. It was to validate the message of the gospel so that when through the name of Jesus people were healed, they would then have the faith to believe in the message of the gospel. That is salvation through Jesus who had come for them. Now there was, during this time of Jesus' earthly ministry, there was, according to the gospel account, and it just by the, by the course of the narrative, there was an, an un, almost unprecedented and very targeted amount of demonic activity opposing Jesus Christ. And so Jesus empowers these 70 to confront these forces of evil that were manifesting themselves in different afflictions in people's bodies and lives. And he gives them power over that through his name for the purpose of helping people know him. Well, the 70 go out, and in the name of Jesus, and with, a, with, with good energy, they go out and they declare Jesus, and people are healed, and people are helped, and it, it's not unreasonable to think that they are helped, that they are healed, and that many are saved by the hundreds, if not the thousands, be just because of the scope of people that Jesus was ministering to. And so they come back in verse number 17, and they are pumped up. Now look, in verse number 17, the 70 returned again with joy. Look, they're not like, okay, yeah, it went well. They're like, this is amazing. Okay, so we play different games in our house, and one of them is boxing, and one of them, and I lose to Andrea every time, and then, and then the kids have this little soccer game that they play where the goalpost is one of the doors. And look, I'm not saying that you should do this, just what we do. And then we, we don't, act, well, sometimes the kids try to use the soccer ball, but that doesn't end well for them. They have those little lighter plastic balls, just tiny little things that you get from Walmart. And so the kids will do something most of you are unfamiliar with because you hate soccer, but it's called like a penalty shootout is what it's called. And, and so you have one guy guarding the goal and one guy kicking the ball. And so they'll just take turns doing that in, from the kitchen dining room area into the living room. And man, it has nothing to do with skill. You're like six feet away and you're kicking a ball as hard as you can at somebody's face. Who knows what's going to happen? And so there have been times where Jaron, he'll go against one of his older brothers and he'll, he'll score a goal. And man, he runs around the house like he just won a championship. 
It's like, whoa, this is amazing. And he's like high-fiving. If you've ever seen a soccer slide, man, he runs and he's like, just celebrating like that, going crazy. And then I'll, I'll come in on that scene. I'll have watched this play out over 30 seconds. And about two minutes later, he'll come up to me and he goes, Dad, you remember that time I beat whoever? <laughs> me like, a minute ago? He's like, yeah, I did this. And then just, I love that youthful enthusiasm. You know what I'm talking about? You get it? Just pumped up about how good things are going. Man, these disciples are pumped up. Jesus is using us to help people, and it's awesome. But Jesus isn't as celebratory as they were. Jesus isn't quite of the same tone as they were. I want you to get this. Please don't misunderstand the Savior this morning. It's not wrong that they are excited. What's concerning is why they were excited. Jesus responds in a unique way, and that response is what we need to focus on this morning. In verse 18, he begins with this, and he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. In Isaiah 14, verse 12 through 14, the prophet Isaiah talks about, just pulls back the curtain of events in heaven just a little bit, and he's talking about Lucifer. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? When your title from God is son of the morning, you are some kind of glorious creature wrapped in amazing splendor that we can't begin to imagine. Now, we've allowed a godless culture to paint this idea of Satan like he's some kind of nasty, creepy-looking being, but he's actually not. He was created with tremendous glory and splendor, and he's acknowledged in Scripture as the chief of God's angels. That was the position that he was given. But the text is asking, or the scripture is asking this question, how were you given such lofty heights and then fell to such low depths? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? He's acknowledging that Satan has used his influence to turn people's hearts away from God. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend upon the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. And that message has been consistent with him even in his interaction with Adam and Eve. And you go back to Genesis chapter 3 and when he overthrew the work of God in the heart of Adam and Eve, he began with Eve and the temptation was this. God just doesn't want you to be like him. This has been within This being we know as Lucifer, as Satan, for untold ages, his desire has been to overthrow and undermine God. And yet, just as lightning brilliantly appears and then quickly fades away, that's what happened to Satan because of his pride. He was created with this lofty position, please get it, that he did nothing to earn. It was given to him. And then because of his pride, he fell to unimaginable depths. Well, in verse 19, Jesus says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. 
Now, you read that statement, somebody's thinking about some kind of video they saw of some church service in the south where people were throwing around snakes. Look, that is not biblical. That is careless and foolish. You want to go hunt rattlesnakes and you want to play around with them? That's between you and whatever else is going on in your life. But don't take something like that and then attach God's name to it and obligate God. Well, God said, I get, no, 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 no. The purpose was protection when they were preaching the gospel. You say, are there any places in the Bible where that actually happened? I'm glad that you asked because you go to the book of Acts and Paul, in the work of doing the ministry, it was necessary after he had been shipwrecked to build a fire. And as he was building that fire, he reached for a piece of wood and he was bitten by a snake and he shook that snake off into the fire and God saved him and protected him from that. The point isn't this radical carelessness that we put God on trial. The point is that in, doing, in the process of doing my work, I'm going to protect you from all sorts of enemies. There is not a power that has the ability to overcome the greatness of Jesus Christ. Now look, there will be opposition. There are going to be heartaches and there are going to be challenges. Today, we wouldn't think about this in terms of an actual snake or a scorpion, but man, we can get stung by things, can't we? Death does sting. Man, man, I'm, I'm not changing my tune about that song, Christ Arose, and the truth of it. But look, it's heaviness. It's heaviness when you see a coffin closed. You see it laid in the ground. You stand with people or you stand with your own loved ones when you go through that process. It, man, it does sting. No, it stings when People that you thought you could trust harm you and wound you. Now, it stings when you get a sickness that you did not expect. It, it stings when things don't go the way that you desire. Or even that is right and fair as they should at your job. It stings when there are losses. It stings when we have our own failures. Man, there are going to be these stings. But this is what Jesus is trying to get his people to understand. Is that the power of the enemy, though it can sting you, though it can cause some pain in your life, it can't stop the work that I'm doing. No, they can make it harder and they can make it hurt worse. But they can't stop the work of Jesus. These 70, they would go and they would encounter people that were blind. They would encounter people that were deaf. They would encounter people that were mute. They would encounter people that were lame. They would encounter people that had leprosy. They would encounter people that today we would put them into institutions. But the reality is they were just afflicted by de demonic forces. And they were self-harming. They were cutting themselves. They were doing all sorts of things to damage their body and these 70 came in the name of Jesus and they were challenging circumstances but over every one of them God delivered those who were hurting themselves God delivered those who were lame God delivered those who were blind God delivered those who were sick because nobody can stop Jesus from helping people I just want to pause there it's not even the point it's not the main point this morning but it is a point Nobody can stop Jesus from helping people because he loves them. 
And you say, well, look, I don't, I don't come from where you come from, and I don't think the same about the same, all the things that you think about. Look, my, where I come from and my thoughts about things are irrelevant before an eternally holy and almighty God. He is permanently interested in you because you are, and he died for you because he loves you and he paid for your sin because he's the only one that could and he rose again and he offers eternal life and if you're willing he is more than able to help your life mm, so good so over and over again in these I'm going somewhere in these 70s ministry experience not the 70s <laughs> That was a different kind of experience for y'all <laughs> that I know nothing about, by the way. <laughs> you're like, man, Pastor, you're getting old. Not that old. <laughs> okay, sorry, I got really distracted right there. No, the 70, man, they just experienced victory after victory after victory. I mean, just hell, it's awesome to see people get helped. Well, you ought to be happy when people get helped. Here's why. Here's why. <laughs> they were able to help people because Jesus won. He hadn't even died yet, but he'd already won. Now, how can you say that? Because he's the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Man, I, okay. I don't, I'm not being irreverent here. And... Whatever you think about this, the, maybe the greatest boxer or the most intimidating boxer of all time in his prime was Mike Tyson. I've seen videos, just some clips of the face-off. You know what I'm talking about? Face-offs and boxing are comical to me. It's like you guys try to pound each other's brains out, but fight fair. Okay, this is about fairness now. I'm going to try to punch this guy into oblivion. And you watch those face-offs, and it's interesting. In any kind of competition, who will avert their eyes? You know what I'm talking about? You, you face off with somebody, and you're looking down and doing this. You know what it says? I know I'm in trouble. And, and these dudes would face off. The, the fight was over before it ever started. Can I tell you, there's someone infinitely greater than any fighter that's ever stepped into any ring, and his name is Jesus Christ, and it's not even close. He does not lose. Mm -mm. So good. So Jesus has taken, <laughs> he has taken that power, and he has given it to the 70, and he has said, go, and you take my power, and you use it to help people. Man. But there was a challenge here. And the danger that Jesus is trying to warn them about is this. You have become, there's a danger that you become or that you have become more impressed with what you do than you are with what I've done for you. Okay, I... We've all probably been guilty of this one way or another. It's, it's kind of like, like teenage girls. You know, your parents tell you to get ready, 
and they don't mean take three hours. You're like, we need to go, but you're just like, oh, just, it just takes time to be this beautiful. And Have you ever walked in on your daughters looking in the mirror? And, it, and they're just like, oh. like, how do you know how to do that, Pastor? Because I have three daughters. <laughs> and I don't actually know what I'm doing. I'm, I mean, baking a cake right now. I don't know. <laughs> and, and you can tell. No, look, be honest. Be honest, girls. You can tell it ceased to be about getting ready, and it's more just about admiring. Now, now see, y'all don't want to admit that's true. I'll just say it. There's a point at which you're no longer getting ready. You're just enjoying. But I'm going to talk about the guys, too. You see this fractional definition. <laughs> I mean, it's fractional. You, you see something start coming in up here. Look, I'm, no, I'm, I'm nothing epic with a beard, but it is a beard. I mean, y'all got, y'all got this peach fuzz that like you stole from some fruit. And, and, and you're in there and you're like... Or you brush your teeth real slow. You're like. Now, have you ever walked in on your sons and they're trying to get ready and they're just kind of like this? It's like that doesn't change anything. Poles can't flex. You just. No, you know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, no, no, get this. And, the, and then and young people get this. And, and moms and dads, get this, please. Please get this. Please get this. We get so infatuated with ourselves that we forget that this was all given to us. And we stop valuing the ones who gave it to us. Oh, oh, no, no. Let me go ahead and talk about this for a minute. Young men, you will never be so strong. You will never be so accomplished that you don't need to value the dad and mom that allowed you to have life in the first place. And young ladies, you will never be so talented and so valuable that you can be dismissive of the mom and dad that God used to give you life and bring you into this world. And yet we get so full of our self-infatuation that we forget. I received a whole lot. Can I encourage you? Here's the statement. Your greatest power is not what you do. Your greatest power is who you belong to. There's a saying today, my superpower is. You got t-shirts out there and bumper stickers out there. And we go from one ditch to another ditch. It's like culture just lives in ditches. We're just constantly bouncing back and forth from one extreme to the other extreme, struggling to find it. Well, my superpower is, and then you fill in the blank. Well, my superpower is that I have bad vision and I'm 5'8". I'm going to put that on a bumper sticker. <laughs> go ahead and flex on me now. <laughs> We got it. We got it. This is this is what I am, and and this is what I have, and and this is this is what I do. 
can I just remind you that everything that you have that is good in your life is only possible because of God Almighty. And the greatest thing that can be said of any of us is not what we do, but it's what has been done for us and given to us. And that's what Jesus is talking about in verse number 20. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. My greatest celebration, my greatest joy, my greatest ecstasy, my greatest jubilation, my greatest passion, my greatest fervor, my greatest enthusiasm should not be about what God allows me to do. It should be the fact that he would come to this earth He would die on the cross. He would pay for every wicked thought I could think, every selfish deed I could do, every vile word I could say, every deceitful statement I could make, every angry outburst I could have. He could pay for all of it and then give me eternal life. That's amazing. You know what part of the problem is? We forget how much it took to save us. So let me give you some thoughts. Number one, if Satan could fall from his lofty heights, you can fall from your far less lofty heights. No, I believe God created man with some heights. No, thou hast made him. But then it says this, a little lower than the angels. Mm, Satan's called before his fall the son of the morning. God gave him that title. And, and he fell from that because of pride, because of an infatuation with himself. Many a servant of God, many a marriage, many a young person that had so much potential, many a Sunday school teacher, many a church leader, many a business owner or employee who was on their way to being very useful, many have succumbed to this deceit that we are more than we think we are. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says this, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Let me just give you some statements. I'm a sinner. No, me. I'm a sinner. Look, I love this suit. And at least from here down, I look good in this suit. Someone used to tell me, man, you look good from the neck down. (laughs) Whatever. You know, this is what we think, man. Look at, look at, no, 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 no. Here's what I am beneath all of it. I am a sinner. Here's the truth. I'm not better than anyone. No, no, that's not this depressed, self-loathing, I just don't have any value. My life just has no more value than anyone else's life. No, no, no. My life has value to God, but it doesn't have more value than anyone else's life has to God. I'm saved, but I'm not invincible. I'm saved, but I'm not immune to temptation. 
like a song says, I'm just a sinner that is saved by grace. And what you and I need to remember, that we are, we are not so blessed and so gifted and so talented and so positioned and so promoted and so enriched in, in all of our work and all of our saving and all of our preparation and all of our opportunities. We don't have all of that and it suddenly makes us immune from falling. You can mess up in a day what God has taken the course of your life to give you. I hope every person in here that's serious about their marriage gets this. You can mess it up tomorrow. Young people, no, I'm thankful for grace. I'm thankful for forgiveness. For forgiveness, I'm thankful for second, third, hundredth chances. But man, you can cause some real damage in your life that could be avoidable because you get lifted up with pride. Number two, what you are able to do is a result of what God has done for you. In, in 2 Corinthians, Paul said to a church that was so talented, For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Did you get it? What do you have that you haven't received? Now, if thou did, didst receive it, why dost thou glory as though thou hast not received it? Talk for a minute. I... Miss Jess is expecting, and I love this for Brother Ben, a baby girl. <laughs> it's going to be a cowboy wearing piano player, <laughs> cowboy boot wearing piano player. I love it. It's going to be so good. Oh, man. I was, I was thinking while Jess was playing the offering, I wonder what that little girl is hearing right now. Just, I just love what God does. Look, I already, I already know Ben and Jessica's attitude on this, and, and that's why I, I'm comfortable talking about this. Jessica didn't just wake up one day and say, I choose to be good at playing the piano. No, has she had to work at it? Yes. Do we have to develop things? Do we have to discipline ourselves? Do we have to arrange our lives? Yeah, but there's something that God gives to different people that he doesn't give to everyone else, and he does that with music. No, 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 no. I'm not the only one who's like, man, I wish I could do that a little better. Raise your hand if you've thought that. Absolutely. And if you haven't thought that, you're a weirdo, man. It'd be awesome if we all played the piano like that, if we all sang like angels. Hallelujah. Brother Hetzer has said this about Jessica. She's a Disney princess. No, 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 no. You take that as an insult. But that's talking about the voice that God has given her. Miss Jessica didn't wake up one day and say, I decide to have this kind of a voice. It's a gift from God. So you know what would be wrong for Jessica to do? And she doesn't do this. You know what would be wrong for her to do? To walk around like she gave that to herself. No. No, 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 no. You know how I'm able to have a woman like Andrea? You say she was temporarily blind. <laughs> you got to make your move when you make it. <laughs> she said yes. Not my problem. <laughs> no. No, I look at, I look at my wife. That, she's a gift from God. No, no. No, I look at my children. They're a gift from God. No, why, why do I get to have these eight children that are healthy when some people have struggled to have any children? 
No, no, no. My wife and I have laid in bed and talked about that, wept about that. God, we do, we're not worthy of something other people aren't worthy of. There's nothing, get this, there is nothing that I have done to deserve the children that I have. No, God just chooses to give this or to give this or to not give this. You say, man, I got this amazing career. I have no doubt that you have worked hard. And God does work through the law of sowing and reaping. But you look the world over, and there are millions of people that would love opportunities to do what you get to do. So why is it that God lets you have that opportunity? It's not because you just said, I'm going to have it. God in his sovereign grace and mercy allows us opportunities to do things. It's good. Getting to be a part of this church is a gift. No, no, no. Tonight... And, and in a couple of weeks, when we talk about some plans tonight and the budget in a couple of weeks, none of that should produce self-rejoicing. Because a lot of churches doing a lot of right things to love God and to love people, but God hasn't seen fit for different reasons and seasons and times to do the same thing in every single place. You say, why is that? It's not my job to know why. It's just my job to be faithful and to be thankful. You just need to, young people, young people, don't get so full of pride that you think I deserve. No, 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 no. We have a merciful God. He's given so much to us. You are able to do what you do because of him. Number three, God has empowered you for the sake of helping others know him. Okay, I'm just, I'm looking around the room. Okay, I'm like, I'm going to start over here, Miss Megan. And then I look at Abe and Darian. I look at Matt and Sabrina. Okay, then I come over here and I look at the Hopkins. And then I look at Miss Peggy, Cook, and Miss Sylvia. And then I look at you lovely teen girls. And then I come over here and I look at you <laughs> wonderful and blessed young men who have so many opportunities. I look at people like Dan Dunkel, and I look, I think he's back here somewhere. I look at Felipe Reyes. I look at the Fiavas. I look at Brother Paul, and I look at the Ramirez's. I look at Brother Justin. I look at Mike and June. I, can, I just go on and on. I, just, I look at you, and this is what I see. People that God has empowered. See, you don't buy in. You don't buy in, but you have been empowered. One, if you're saved, you have received his Holy Spirit. You've got it all. That doesn't mean you can go do something weird. All right, Miss Mandy, don't go be picking up snakes today like pastor said. No, 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 no. Pastor didn't say that. No, oh, no, but you've been empowered because you have opportunity. No, Miss Mandy, our church family knows this. She's going through a difficult season in life where her vision is continuing to fail. And I think God can heal her, but if he doesn't choose to heal her, then he's going to empower her to have grace and to make the most of her life, even with the difficulty of losing her sight. And that testimony can be a blessing and a help to so many people telling you, in your jobs, and in your losses, and in your sufferings, and in your successes, and in your disappointments, God is trying to prepare you, and draw, your, him, draw you to himself, and lift you up so that he can use you to help people know him. Are you really good at your job? Then use that to help people know Jesus. 
Are you going through suffering? Then use that to help people know Jesus. Do you have an ability that sets you apart from many? Use that to help people know Jesus. It's the desire. Use us to help people know him. Last of all, this will help us to have balance in stabilizing our lives. You know what can happen? Ministry wasn't always going to be like this for the 70. Wasn't all going to be good. There are going to be some bad days. There are going to be days when people didn't believe. When people threw stones at them. When people hurled insults at them. When there weren't a lot of people, there were just a little people. You know what this will help to do? Help you to remember that even when it's a bad day, I still have Jesus. I still got Jesus today. Man, one of my favorite sayings to give in premarital counseling is this. You don't know what you're saying yes to. I mean, and these these young women look at me and they're like, oh, pastor, I know. Just look at him. I'm like, yeah, honey, you really don't know. (laughs) If I could only tell you, man. Andrea came down. She's glowing at me. It's glorious. Dress that veil. Oh, man. Hope God helps me to never forget it. It's like I'm there now. It's one of my favorite memories. Just, I talk about my kids. Oh, man, you hold your babies and you're like, this is awesome. And who knew that in four years you'd be like, what did I do to have a terrorist? <laughs> Man, Andrea is just glowing at me, and if she only knew, she'd be glowing at me in different ways. <laughs> it's up and down. You know what's not up and down? You have Jesus. Yep. Man, I'm, I'm thankful for Brother Sharp. He can give testimony to this. You can work as hard as you can, and ministry doesn't go the way that you hope it will, pray it will, want it to, and God just lets different things happen that you don't understand. It's not an indictment. Sometimes it's just hard. You can pray for someone, love someone, invest in someone, and it doesn't go right. You can ask God for a job, ask God to give some relief, ask God to make someone better, and you still end up having a funeral, don't you, Brother Paul? You know what you don't lose? Jesus. And when Sonia said goodbye to you, she went to forever be with Jesus. And you'll be with her again because you'll be with him. Oh, it's up and down. Ministry's up and down. Job's up and down. Health's up and down. Marriage is up and down. Navigating our young years is up and down. But understanding that Jesus never bails on us. He never fluctuates on us. He is always with us. So let me give you the statement again, and then I'll land it. Your greatest power is not what you do. It's who you belong to. You know why some of you struggle to be faithful in different areas? Because your faithfulness is based on things going well and not based on who you belong to. If you'd humble yourself and get yourself focused back on Jesus, it would help to produce more faithfulness and stability in your life. Some, look, look, 
this does not take away every challenge. You know what, you know what the reality is? So we still have families that are dealing with broken homes. Hallelujah, God doesn't give up on anybody. No, we, ha- we still have people battling addictions. We still have people battling sickness. We still have situations where people are hurting and confused and uncertain. We, there could still be in someone's life a situation where you've hardened your heart against God. There can be all sorts of situations that come up that are painful and difficult and challenging. And so I want to tell you this. If you have Jesus, he will bring stability to your life. So here's the question. What do you get more excited about? What do you get more excited about? Jesus or anything else? No, please. Are you saying that I should be more excited about Jesus than my wife? Can I just tell you this? Jesus makes my marriage better in every way. Do I want Andrea to love Jesus? Yeah, because it helps her be a better wife. <laughs> that bothers some of you. <laughs> oh, no. Jesus helps you be a better dad and mom to your kids. Yeah, yeah. You know, hey, hey, parents. No, I'm going to go. Sorry, sorry. I just saw something. I'm going to pull up and swing back around. The landing gear is still down. Parents, you know why you're so unpredictable and angry with your kids? Because your satisfaction is based on their performance, not the presence of Jesus Christ in your life. No, we can talk about that for a minute. We got moms and dads that are performance-based in their parenting. Your kid's got to live up to some kind of expectation. No, it's all right to set goals. It's all right to push your kids and to want the best out of them. But many times you come to conclusions about yourself based on how well they do on a ball field or in a classroom. Or if they ever get something wrong, you lose your mind as though that you never did anything wrong. Stop, stop making your stability dependent on your children's performance. Is that a fair statement? You need to be anchored to Jesus Christ so that you know what your children find? My dad and mom are the same whether I'm struggling or not. Mm, Yeah, okay, I'll land. But take that truth and apply it everywhere else because that's what we need. Stop being more excited. Hey, look, Pyle, stop being more excited about pastoring than you are about knowing Jesus. We got some great stuff tonight. We better not, as a church, be more excited about something God gives us than we are that we get to know him every day. Because it would be better for us to never leave this current building as it is and remain excited about God than to get something bigger and better and nicer and forget how great it is to belong to him. Be excited about him. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Your greatest power is not what you do, it's who you belong to. No one, no one would admit this. Excuse me, not that. Not admit. No one walks around saying, I value this more, I value this more, I value this more. But our life can indicate it. Is there any indication in your life that there are things that God lets you do 
And, and it's not wrong to be thankful for them. It's not wrong to be excited about them. But are there things in your life that are good? They are gifts from God, and he wants you to be thankful. He wants you to celebrate them. But in the enjoyment of those blessings, you get more excited about those things than you do that you belong to Jesus. I'm telling you, that creates so much instability and fluctuation in the life of a child of God. With every head bowed, every eye closed, let me, let me ask a couple of questions. Number one, if you died right now, do you know for sure that you would go to heaven? You say, I want to have this love. I want to have this certainty, but I, I don't know Jesus. I'm not sure that when I die, I'm gonna spend eternity in heaven, but I want to know that. And if God loves me and if God would save me, then I want that for myself. I'm not asking you to do anything weird. Just raise your hand and say, I'm not sure that I'm saved, but I want that. Would you pray for me? Just slip your hand up and put it down. Nobody looking around. Yep, I see him. Yep, yep, I see it. You say, I'm not sure that I'm saved. Look, if you'll come this morning, and if you'll just get my attention, won't do anything to embarrass you, but just take the Bible and show you how you can know Jesus is your Savior. And by the way, if you're serious about wanting Jesus, don't worry about being embarrassed. Who cares? What people are thinking, you you deal with God if he's dealing with you. Here's the second question. Are there areas in your life where you are prioritizing other things, loving things more, being more excited about them? Good things, but you're more excited about them than you are about knowing and belonging to Jesus. And you would say, I can see where that has created some imbalance and some failure points in my life, and I need God's help to get that corrected. Would you raise your hand this morning and say, yep, all, yep, yep, all over the place. Let's stand. Brother Nate, start singing, please. If God has spoken to your heart, you respond to him.